I think that reliable authors will use hyperbole. So I think that's completely understandable. But you have still in all this uh, ad hominem attack of the early church fathers, you still are not addressing the issue of the accuracy of the scripture, which is proved once again by the documents themselves that can be linked back to single sources so that there is essentially... They're only linked no back by the church fathers. ...or any fact. Even without the church fathers, just on the manuscripts alone, with There's the nothing. Fathers, There's nothing in Mark that says... I wrote, Mark wrote this. There's nothing in Matthew that says, no, I, Matthew, wrote this. As a matter of fact, he talks in the third person about Matthew in Matthew. But what we do have is internal evidence inside the scriptures that show that they were written by eyewitnesses. There oh, are what undesigned coincidences. Excellent. Excellent. Let's hear this. Okay. Let's, let's, let's hear them. Forgers don't want to leave any loose ends that might raise awkward questions. So they take care to tie everything neatly together. But there are undesigned coincidences that are just the sort of thing that you'd expect to find. How do you know what forgers do and don't do? Yeah, how are you supposed to climb into someone's head and think, well, he'll change this, but he'll keep this well, constant? We've got plenty of examples of, of forgeries. So, of course we do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, these are not forgeries because they don't claim to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you have First and Second uh, Timothy and Titus. Uh, they, that they um, give, you've got Second Peter. That's a clear forgery. Vast consensus of scholars on both. That's right. And how do you think they know Peter. this? Because of things like those are in your infallible New Testament. <laughs> Look, <we laughs> I wouldn't be so quick to agree on that one. Authentic yeah, record. Go ahead. Undesigned coincidences. Okay, they're that they reveal that they are real events told by different people, such as. All right, let me give you a couple of examples. There's um, here's one. When Jesus, this is from Mark eight, verse fourteen. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on them. When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the six. Okay. Why did why did the people wait until evening came? Matthew doesn't say. It doesn't make much sense if Jesus is there healing Peter's mother, why not why wouldn't they come and bring the sick to be healed? Okay, well, we find out in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, they went to Capernaum when the Sabbath came. So it was because they were, it was the Sabbath. Now, Matthew leaves it out because he already knows that, and he doesn't realize that his readers aren't going to know. These are the kinds of things that happen in real eyewitness testimony. When you have four people testifying to a murder that they saw or a car accident. You have them leaving out parts that other people fill in. They don't realize they're leaving them out because it's eyewitness testimony. Here's All another right. one. Uh, well, let me, let me stop you there. You guys always say that it's, you know, in, in, uh, it shows what collaboration or not collusion or corroboration and not collusion. Mm -hmm. um, two things on that one. One, the synoptic gospels all share the mark and spine. They're all based on mark. So That's of course it shows of course it shows collusion because Luke and Mark use the exact same words 
Are you Luke and Matthew Luke, use the exact same words as Mark? The Gospel of John is based on Mark, which is totally different. John's totally different. I'm talking about the Synoptic Gospels. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so if you had people in court that were all saying the exact same thing in the exact same words, of course that's collusion. Number two, you have uh, uh, well, one okay, you're, eyewitness. You're really to, exaggerating. They don't. No, I'm say not. Between Matthew and Luke, they have 90% of Mark verbatim. Verbatim. Plus additional material. You're right. But I'm talking about verbatim. material is called for a unique manuscript? No, 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 no. Luke's really long. Matthew's really long. The original church, by the way, by tradition, thought that Mark was uh, an abridged version of Matthew. It was like the Reader's Digest version of Matthew. Uh, These are expanded, but they're using word for word. Mark's spine. Um, so it is collusion, of course. And, and in a court of law, these guys would uh, uh, be kicked out. out for collusion. Um, secondly, you have contradictions well, in there. You have nativity contradictions. You have no. resurrection contradictions. No. Yes. No. Really? No, Shall we go have, into Bible have, contradictions? Because I believe one of the claims was you guys said you come against atheists and they can never produce a Bible contradiction. So how about we move into the contradictions throughout the Bible? Sure. Let's do All that. Right, Charlie, why don't you go ahead and start unless you'd like me to. You want to start with the genealogies given by Luke and Matthew? Well, uh, no, no, you start with that one. I've got a few of my own that I've uh, I've got here. Well, how do you guys explain the differences between Luke and Matthew's genealogies? Um, that um, they are following Mary and um, Joseph. I think that's the traditional answer. Which is following Mary? I don't remember. I think the, the first one follows Mary, and the second one follows Joseph's line. Be very careful about that, because you guys are showing that you're not actually reading the New Testament. Um, if you read it, they both say at the end that they're genealogies of Joseph. You, would you like me to find them for you? Um, in Matthew 1:16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was born of Jesus, who was called Christ. <clears throat> in Luke, it should be what chapter? Where does he give his? Are you talking Luke 3.23? Luke uh, gives all the way down to Heli and then Joseph. And they can't even, they can't even, you know, uh, agree on the grandfather of Jesus. In Matthew it's Jacob, in Luke it's Heli. But they both go through Joseph. So, uh, to and you believe... guys don't have to worry. These genealogies have been argued back and forth since Eusebius. I mean, even Eusebius uh, wrote there in his, the history of the church. Each believer has been only too eager to delight at length on these passages. So they've been arguing the genealogies of Joseph since Eusebius's time. These are both genealogies of of Jesus through Joseph. One, in order to believe your. Um, uh, solution to discrepancy, you have to disbelieve your New Testament. Because? Because they both explicitly say they go through Joseph. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's right. It is. It is. Um, so I read you Matthew. Let's find Luke. So Luke's your hopeful holdout that hopefully it goes through. Uh, You're talking Luke 3.23 to 38? Just son of Melchi. Yeah, so here we go. Um, son of Methuselah. Uh, oh, he goes to Adam as a son of God. So he does it backwards. And Jesus himself uh, began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which is the son of Methat, the son of Levi. So that also goes through Joseph. So again, you guys have to okay. disbelieve your New Testament. Uh, I have them both right them. here. I was right. The first one... Um, is a lineage of Mary. If you look at the last verse of the lineage, verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Yes, Jacob, the father of Joseph. These genealogies never mention women. Why is Mary mentioned in this one? Because this one is actually 
the genealogy through Mary. Because he's the who husband. Is, who is the wife of Joseph. So wait, wait, let me get this straight. Even Eusebius, one of your church fathers, recognized that there was a problem between these two sets of scriptures, and yet you're claiming there isn't? That you're they're talking, perfectly matched up? You're talking Matthew one sixteen, And yes, Jacob, I'm saying, I'm Jacob begat Joseph. Is Jacob begat the one in Luke is through Joseph. All right, so actually, instead of Matthew 16 saying Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, what Matthew, who apparently wrote this, meant to say was Jacob begat Mary, the wife of Joseph. That's what he meant to say. But he actually said Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. These are both lineages of Joseph. No, no. Joseph is Mary's father in Luke. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. I guess you could scratch out husband and say father. But it actually, the text says husband. You have to That's go by Matthew. what your text says. I thought we were this, talking about Luke. This is Matthew. Yes, we've got Matthew one sixteen and Luke 3.23. Of course, the passages yep. that come before that. Matthew one sixteen claims Jacob was Joseph's father. Luke 3.23 says, Heli. Yeah. But, you know, they, and here's your problem with that. If, if you're right and, and somehow Matthew got it wrong and, and it was actually the uh, lineage of Mary, uh, then you have to agree why the lineages uh, are so similar. <laughs> I mean, there's some, that explains some of the differences, but then why are well, they so similar? There's, yeah, they're after, there's some initial... Um, differences and then they become similar obviously because they were Jewish they came down the same line until they oh, so, split off so let's move to something that's a, that's a little bit harder to brush under the, the rug um, they haven't the brushed that under explicitly well, says Joseph on both ones but on they're both attempting of them. to so let's move to something that they can't right. shuffle around and say it, it, whatever excuses how about this Go ahead. the announcement of Jesus' special birth did it come before conception or after conception uh, the announcement. Uh, which the announcement? That just the announcement to the shepherds. What, what special births do you have? <laughs> Are you talking, Are about, you the talking about the announcement to the shepherds? No, talking about the annunciation to Mary or the announcement to the shepherds? I'm talking about the annunciation. Uh, was that before or after the uh, conception? Before or after the conception? Uh, as far as I know, it was before. Why? Well, before, that means you're following Luke one twenty six to 31. However, Matthew one eighteen to 21 says that it came after the conception. How do you explain that? Okay, Matthew 1 what? one eighteen to 21. We're looking it up. We can hear the scriptures in the background, all the <laughs> pages. Okay, we got the Matthew one. What's the other reference? Luke one twenty six to 31. Because in Luke, you're absolutely right. It comes before the conception. Whereas in Matthew, it comes after the conception. I mean, we can move on to there as to where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus flee after all of this. I <laughs> easy, mean, yeah, easy. Let's talk about that. Well, well let's let... Um, uh, it's my turn next, Leighton. Your turn. All right, you go, you go ahead for the next contradiction. Go ahead. All right, uh, the date of Jesus' birth. Okay. Uh, did, it, did it happen as, uh, let's see, Matthew says it in uh, 4 B.C., or did it happen as Luke does at the census of Quirinius, which happened in 6 CE? Uh, th there were more than one. Uh, it was in 4 BC. So, so Luke, Luke was wrong. No, he's correct. Well, the archaeological records we have for the census of Quirinius, according to Josephus, 6 of the Common Era. And actually, if you look at the um, uh, history, you have Herod dying uh, 4 BC. Right, and then you have Herod's son uh, Ar Archelaus. ruling Archelaus for the next nine years. Right, 
and then Rome is tired of his incompetence and uh, right. takes Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and puts him over uh, right. Judea in 6 CE. That's when the census happened. Okay, but um, I argue that there was another census. Uh, what's your evidence for that? Yeah, where are you I coming up with I have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it my turn it again? <laughs> yeah, but, well, right now you have no rebuttal for it because we've you got so go many. No, because no, because uh, this is you know, um, I, I mean these these kinds of discrepancies have been um, mentioned hundreds sure. of years ago, and sure. they've been exhaustively examined um, and answered. So I'm, I'm a little confused on this one about the Annunciation. I have both of the passages here, and I'm, I'm tell me again what the contradiction is. Before uh, or after conception. Yeah. When is the announcement? Is it before conception or after conception? Well, in Matthew have... it says, uh, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. All right. And Luke, it says... Um, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. What, what's, uh, what's the contradiction? Well, you have in Luke one twenty-six to 31, the announcement is becoming before the actual conception. In Matthew, you have the announcement coming after the conception. In Matthew. Look in Matthew. In Matthew. <laughs> So, uh, what's the one about the uh, flight into Egypt? Is you were concerned oh, yes. about that? Yes. Um, all right. Uh, when Herod was coming to slaughter all the males, where did Joseph, Mary, and Jesus go to? They went to Egypt, I believe. Well, that would be according to Matthew. What does Luke have to say on the subject? I don't think he mentions it. Well, he does. Luke two twenty-one to thirty-nine. He says that they remain for temple rituals. And doesn't even mention the slaughter of infants. It doesn't it really, say. It doesn't really, say they remained. Yeah, he had to to. to um, no, it doesn't his, say they remain. They remained. It doesn't right? say they remained. So you're they, claiming that even though there's no mention of infants being slaughtered, and it talks about them doing temple rituals. That they, where after, Matthew's concerned was the temple after in Egypt. Jesus, Did it teleport after to Jesus Egypt? Jesus was born. They left because they were concerned that um, you know uh, Joseph was warned in a dream. They left. They went to Egypt. Herod dies. They come back. Um, they go do the temple ceremony, um, and Joseph decides that. Archelaus is not uh, such a good guy either, because I think about that time he kills like 3,000 Jews, um, and he moves to Galilee. One of, now, here's one of the interesting things, is that the political landscape at that time was so complicated that even historians like Tacitus got things wrong, and yet the scripture gets them exactly right. Um, really? What? Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Please there's, explain that with more brevity. Well, this is another one of the evidences for the New Testament is the incidental allusions to political um, uh, intrigues that were happening only in the first century. No one in the second century could have possibly gotten all this political intrigue correct. In the, you know, remember in the first century there weren't any newspapers, there was no internet, um, even the historical novel hadn't been invented yet. They Amazingly, had, Josephus got it all correct. Josephus did really well. Yes, Josephus. He lived there. He was. He he lived during the first century. He got it all right. So right. So there you have a, a non. I mean, it's not so, miraculous that people living in the first century, uh, right. shortly a generation right. after Jesus. It shows, it shows that the writers lived in the first century, just like Josephus did. Yeah. Is anyone is anyone claiming that they the writers of the saying? Gospels lived in the second century? I mean, the the common date for Mark would be 66 to 70. Common dates for Matthew and Luke would be 80 to 85. The common date for John would be 90 to 95. All of that's those, in the first century. Yeah, those are the high-end dates. Actually, there's a lot of arguments that 
um, all of them were written prior to seventy. Uh, well, you guys mentioned coming you guys mentioned What's that your in your source? podcast, and and it, his main um, argument for that is they don't mention the destruction of the temple. <laughs> um, I didn't hear any other argument than that for putting it before year seventy, which is the destruction of the temple. But of course, if well, you were yeah, writing, you ha- um, actually Luke. Um, there's every reason to believe that it was written about 65, and we know that Luke uses uh, Mark uh, as a source. So there, there's at least Mark and Luke um, prior to 70. No, you, you got to give Mark enough time to circulate and, and get around. That's, that's no, why the 15 years. because it was years. Luke who was circulating and getting around. Luke is the one who came back to Jerusalem, lived there for three years, and talk to eyewitnesses, as he clearly says. I'm taking the manuscript of Luke, Mark. You got to allow Mark to be copied and distributed widely enough for Luke to to have a, a copy of it. No, because um, that's I why guess. the 10 or 15 years is clearly given. This is a scholarly consensus. I mean, this is one of my problems with you guys. You guys take a scholarly consensus when it agrees with you, and you take minority scholarship uh, otherwise. Which Who is one of the, the reasons I pointed out that your internal evidence shows that we ought to. There's no internal evidence for Luke wait, that wait, shows wait. it was before I seventy. I just gave you some. Well, what was it? One of the main reasons you I just said there's every reason to you believe. Were getting your research from you were getting your research from Bryant Wood, who only agrees what's what agrees with him. It's and minority minority scholarship, at. right? Minority um, scholarship versus the big bad rest of archaeology here, and that seems to be where you are getting all of your information. So, if you are getting your information from just this one minority source that doesn't even agree with the vast my my, my majority of it, I mean, I'm, what are you expecting? I'm happy, us to- look, I'm happy to take the older dates. I'm merely pointing out that of a range of possible dates, those are the older ones that you selected. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, some if you're looking at minority scholarship, some people put John into the second century. Um, some people put Luke Acts into the second century. Robert Price does. Yeah, but um, you don't have internal evidence for that. As well, I just Robert Price is a PhD in uh, uh, New Testament studies, so I'd be very hesitant if you don't have a PhD to just jump on that. I'm sure he has his reasons. Now, one of the reasons you guys said was that none of them mentioned the destruction of the temple, but come on, if, if who didn't know that the temple was destroyed? It's like saying that the prophet prophesied the destruction of nine, the two towers on 9-11, right? The World Trade Center towers, Twin Towers. And then do you think you'd feel obligated to say, oh, and by the way, he was right, because the two towers actually did go down in September 11, 2001. Uh, it's obvious. It's accepted. So there's no reason to put these things before 70, especially since they do allude to the destruction of the temple and that seems to place them after the year 70. Now, do you guys want to go over... Uh, I, I'm really surprised I haven't heard anything about wait, the wait, empty wait, tomb. Wait, 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 wait. They're gone again. Damn it! What is going on there? I don't know. They're pushing or... Yeah, we're, we're getting to the hour and a half mark here. Um, yeah, there's... I wanted to go over the empty tomb. Well, you cover the empty tomb. I want to hit them on Deuteronomy. I want to find out a, a good answer. Are uh, you guys you back? Are you back? Yeah, we're, we're here. Okay, what, sorry. What is that? Is what's, someone pushing a button? What's uh, going on? pouring water it's on the, it again? It's, the, it's, the, it's wonderful science that you guys worship so much. I think God is okay, pressing no. the mute button on you guys. Uh, oh, I thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, half the time we sit and talk to ourselves, thinking we're talking to you. <laughs> oh, All right, really? I'm. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, you've been disconnected like three times. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm surprised we've gotten this far into the podcast without hearing anything about the empty tomb and the resurrection stories. How has that happened? Because we've would, got about two weeks worth of material here. <laughs> I would have <laughs> thought that that would have been the first thing you guys jumped to. Is the empty tomb? Because and the we've been talking stories. about numbers and stuff, and how many planets. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, do you want to talk about the empty tomb or not? I think we're running short of time here. Well, if you guys want to cover it quickly, there's uh, there's the empty tomb that Charlie wanted to get to, and uh, then there's just one uh, or a couple passages of scriptures that I would like to uh, discuss, and beyond that, uh, I, I I'm done. All right, I mean, let's quickly. Okay. Let's 
quickly cover the empty tomb because um, I've read some recent scholarship that uh, actually provides a plausible alternative explanation to the empty tomb, and I'm sure you guys are interested in hearing that. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. It's William Lane Craig's big go-to argument is the empty tomb, right? How do you explain that? You can't. It has to be supernatural. It has to be a resurrection. Well, he's um, not the got, only one, but yeah, he's one of the yeah. He's got he's got all these lines of evidence, right, that that aren't apparently answerable without recourse to a supernatural resurrection. Um so what we have are the facts. We have uh I believe all four gospels attest to an empty tomb. All yeah. four gospels attest to Joseph of Arimathea. Um unfortunately, Paul doesn't. Paul's the earliest source and all we have for Paul is uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 8 where he says that Christ was buried and, and rose again on the third day. doesn't say anything about an empty tomb. It could simply be because the other guys had already covered that. He didn't feel he had to give all the details again. Uh, Paul's writing before the Gospels are written. Um, so he's probably he writing just assumed everybody he was talking to already knew that, so he didn't have oh, to... Oh, yeah, sure. No, I agree with you. It's an argument from silence. Um, but it's it's fairly telling argument from silence because it's you know so frequently brought up today. Um, but you're right, it's argument from silence, which is a fallacy. So um, but, I'm just bringing yeah, it up as an in, interesting in point. Sense, it is an omission, but it's not a contradiction because he's not saying something. No, contradictory. it's not a contradiction. You can be buried in a, you can be buried in a tomb. Um, I'm just saying he didn't uh, he didn't mention it. Our earliest source. Um, just kind of like it's an interesting aside that that Mark, our earliest gospel, doesn't mention the virgin birth, right? That's a later, later. Yeah, or, or it's an interesting aside that the Ten Commandments, uh, the only Ten Commandments that actually states that it is the Ten Commandments of God, is the second set of Ten Commandments, which Christians don't follow. That nobody knows, like you don't boil a kid in yeah. its mother's milk or something. Don't boil like that. a kid. I mean, that's the only set of Ten Commandments that specifically states that it is the set of Ten Commandments, and yet that's the one that's followed. It's just kind of an interesting aside. All right, so here's the story uh, Christ is crucified. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate, and he says, Can I take the body down? By the way, do you guys know why um, he would have to take the body down before evening? Yes, well, because it was the Sabbath. Right. Uh, well, first of all, in uh, I believe in Deuteronomy it says, you know, um, the guy is uh, cursed and hanged on a tree. Right. You got to take him down before evening so that he doesn't stay, you know, overnight. Um, it, so that's that's the law. Let me see if right. I can find that for you. No, it's all right. Keep going. Yeah, we got it. We, we agree with that. Um, so, but you're right. The Sabbath was, you know, in ancient times, the Sabbath. Begins actually for Orthodox Jews today begins on sundown, right. so the beginning of the day is when the sun sets. So right. he's kind of in a hurry because according to one gospel, I think he died at noon. In John, I think he died in John. It was noon, and the other one maybe nine. Um, so Pilate says, "Go figure out, you know, if he's dead or not." The guard comes back says, "Yep, he's dead." So Joseph uh, takes him down stashes him in his tomb in Mark and then the uh, women come and they say you know there's a guy in the tomb that says you know what are you looking for Jesus here he's risen he's gone so that's the earliest version of the empty tomb story that we have Um, so William Lane Craig said there's no there's no natural explanation to that and I think you guys allude to that in some of your podcasts as well that uh, there's no naturalistic explanation for it. Am I correct in assuming that? Well, there's no naturalistic explanation for all of the things that that historically are agreed upon by the preponderance of scholars, even the non-Christian scholars. So what are those? Let's go over those. Okay. Uh, First, Jesus died by crucifixion. Okay. Second, he was buried. Got it. Third, the disciples were despondent. Yep. Fourth, very soon the tomb was found empty. Yep. Fifth, the disciples had experiences that they believed were actual appearances of Jesus. Right. Six, the disciples were thoroughly transformed, being willing to die for this belief. Yep. Seven, the proclamation of the resurrection started early at the birth of the church. Yep. Eight, Public testimony started in Jerusalem, where the events had occurred. Right. 
Nine, the gospel or central message of the church focused on the death and resurrection of Jesus. As we have in Paul. Yeah. Ten, Sunday became the primary day for gathering and worship. Yep. Instead of Saturday. Right. Right. Uh, Eleven, James, the brother of Jesus, was not a believer, but was converted when he believed he saw the risen Jesus. Twelve, Saul, an enemy of the church, was converted when he believed he saw the risen Jesus. Got it. Any more? Nope. That's twelve. All right. So here's a plausible alternative explanation. Okay. In in Jewish law, uh, as... Uh, evidenced in, I think, uh, several sources. Uh, the Mishnah, um, Tosefta, which is a supplement to the Mishnah, Tractate Semahot, uh, which go, covers funerary rites, Midrash, Rabbah, uh, and the Palestinian and, and Babylonian Talmuds. Um, Hebrew law on shameful burial. So this covers anyone who was executed uh, for criminals. a sin worthy of death, right? Yeah. Um, and there it is, Deuteronomy 21, 22, 23. If a man has committed a sin worthy of death, he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day. So the question is, where would you bury this guy? Uh, Mishnah, Tractate, Sanhedrin, 6.5e to f. They did not bury the condemned in the burial grounds of his ancestors, but there were two graveyards made ready for the use of the court, one for those who were beheaded or strangled, one for those who were stoned or burned. Now, um... So Jesus uh, was convicted of the, by the Sanhedrin of blasphemy, right? Mm-hmm. So if he's convicted of blasphemy by the Sanhedrin, he's earmarked for stoning and burning. So that's the graveyard he should go into. Now, you had to take the um, corpse down. And in, interesting enough, in Mark, uh, Joseph of Arimathea is not a disciple of Jesus. He's just a, kind of a righteous man. In later versions, Matthew, Luke, and John, I mean, he progressively gets more and more of a disciple of Jesus. Um, but he's just a righteous man, right? Maybe he's someone appointed by the well, Sanhedrin. One of the religious leaders and probably didn't well, want not in Mark. that he believed in Jesus because it would have gotten him into trouble with the rest of them. Not in Mark. He's just a righteous man in Mark. doesn't say anything about him being a member of the Sanhedrin. But it doesn't um, say that he wasn't a member of the Pharisees. It just says that he was a righteous man. Okay. Which he so, a righteous Pharisee. He just didn't mention that detail. Sure. The Fine. other writer does mention the detail that he was a Pharisee. <laughs> we put the two together and we come up with with. Sure. Right. I'm arguing legendary accretion. You're arguing other details. Fine. doesn't matter. Um, right. So he takes him down. Right. Now, he cannot bury him on the Sabbath, right? right. So what does he do with the body? He's got to stuff it somewhere. Uh, on the law, you can use uh, a temporary tomb through the Sabbath if you rebury him somewhere else, right? And according to the Sanhedrin, he's got to be buried in the uh, graveyard of the blasphemers. So Joseph takes him down, he puts him, stashes him in his tomb, and then uh, when the Sabbath is over, the next night, takes Jesus out, buries him in the graveyard. Then what happens? Okay, wait, the women, wait, wait, wait. How, how does he take Jesus out of the grave and rebury him somewhere else when there's a Roman guard on the tomb and the tomb is sealed shut? Ah, there's ah, no Roman guard in Mark. And the Roman guard is only attested in Matthew, not in Mark, Luke, or John. So... Yeah. We're What's the most? Wasn't a Roman guard? Why would there be a Roman guard? You're not planning on burying him there. You're because planning on burying him. It would be against the law because, to bury him in, jo- in Joseph's tomb. Pilate and the Jewish religious leaders had heard Jesus say over and over again, "On the third day, I'm yes. going to rise from the dead." And they went to Pilate yes. and they said, "Look, according, put a guard on this to him because we don't want these guys stealing the body and saying, look, he rose from the dead.' According That's to Matthew, with the guard." According That's to Matthew, Matthew. and Matthew is again, the only one who mentions the guard. Matthew's later than Mark. He's using Mark as a source. So if you give Matthew 10 years, the Christianity, again, it's 40 years after Christ died on the cross. So there's time for oral uh, um, traditions. There's times for the Jews now to say, hey, look, um, the disciples could have stolen the body. And so what Matthew does is he says, 
uh, no, I'm going to I'm going to plant this in my narrative that the Roman guards were there, so we couldn't have stolen the body. If the Roman guards were there. I find it impossible that neither Mark nor Luke nor John would have omitted that detail. It seems a lot, and, and in fact, in Matthew again, you have the detail that the uh, zombies rise from the graves and go out and were seen by many. Uh, again, I find that ridiculous. Because John and Luke and Mark don't mention it. No one in Jerusalem mentioned it. We have nobody, no records anywhere that said that the dead rose on that day. That escaped everyone's notices? That is well, not only that, you've got John, Matthew, and Luke who can't even get when the first resurrection appearance, where it occurred. You have John Galilee saying it was right at the tomb. You have Matthew saying it was fairly near the tomb. And then you have Luke saying it was on the road to Emmaus. But are they I mean, all so, saying that these different appearances were all the first appearance? Oh, so you're claiming that uh, that he just made multiple appearances throughout these, but uh, and then in one all in... right, so why not? If if this reconstruction of the events, this naturalistic reconstruction of the events, is correct, then the women would arrive on Sunday morning, and there would be no body in the tomb because it was already buried in the graveyard. They would run to the apostles say, there's no Jesus in the tomb. The Roman guard and the seal on the stone and everything. In the I, I Absolutely. The seal on the stone, uh, let's look at this. Um, in uh, which gospel do they, they arrive right in, in Mark, and where's the stone? Stones rolled away in Mark. Yeah, stones will help you out. Right. Stones rolled away in Mark. How about Matthew? Where's the stone? Stones already been rolled away. How about Luke? The same thing. Uh, same thing. Why would no, you? no, 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 no. Oh. In Matthew, they see the stone roll away. Let's yeah, find but, Matthew. It doesn't say that. The angel descends, and they see the stone roll away. Let's no, find it. It doesn't say that. Uh, I it think says, you're wrong on that one. Yeah, it, I know it doesn't say that. Let's see here. Where are we? Christ oh. is risen. There's, there's and behold, no, this no, is Matthew twenty-eight two. Where anyone they right. stop angel rolled stop. stone. Stop aside. Matthew twenty-eight two. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Right. That's talking about. And and then what does it say? It says that um, the guards shook with fear and ran off. He's explaining why there were no guards there when the women arrived. It's very clear. No, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, which, there was a great earthquake. Which verse? And now I'm on one. The Mary Magdalene 20, and Mary are already there. They walk towards it. The earthquake happens. The rock rolls away. He's simply explaining. Come on, guys. No, the only reason you believe that, if you didn't have a, a Mark or a Luke or a John, the only reason you would believe that is because you have Mark and Luke and John. If you didn't have them, it would be as it is written, they walk up and they see the stone rolled away. The only reason you believe that is because you attempt to harmonize with the other Gospels. That's it. Well, that's it'd be like if I am convicting somebody of murder and I hear four witnesses and the defense attorney says, you would not uh, convict this guy if you'd only heard one of the witnesses. Okay, so what? I heard. If you only had Matthew, if you only had Matthew, and you read that as it was, what would you think? You would think that the, they walked up there and the stone rolled away. I, I wonder if you guys would. Maybe, yes, maybe it does sound that way. It's I would a certain way. I wonder if you guys bend over backwards to harmonize this stuff with the Quran or the Book of Mormon, or if you guys just see these apparent contradictions and uh, that's it for that religion. I mean, you guys they're, put they're, in Kirk and just in, as you said, they're apparent contradictions. They're paradoxes. They're discrepancies. But they, oh, sure. Look, look. There is no uh, telling how pe how far people are willing to bend over backwards and twist themselves in order to salvage their pre-existent beliefs. I've been through it. This Mormons do of, it all the time. I know this isn't one of my pre-existent beliefs. This is I absolutely this belief based on the evidence. <laughs> but you also believed in UFOs Absolutely. before you started reading science books. So look, Matthew yep, contradicts. That's right, I did. And and you guys, you know, I mean, you know, I agree with you that lots of people will believe lots of things 
if they only look at one side. I'm telling so you. So look, both the sides. only the only witness is Matthew. And and do we have evidence of people making stuff up in the first century? Matthew does not absolutely say. To oh, me, that seems like Matt's exaggerating, just like Papias. It seems like he's making stuff up, just like Papias. This is this exactly the same, guys. The only reason you believe it is because you already believe it. It's not convincing at all to, to someone who doesn't believe it. It's the outsider test for faith by John Loftus. You guys are stuck within this paradigm, uh, and you can't look out of it. No, I, I, I can look out of it, and I say... Name a single other witness... Name a single other witness that has a guard at the tomb, and I'll believe you. Any Ar any other witness. Argument from ignorance. One right, well, witness well, well, is good let's, enough. Let's, let's no, it isn't. If you have three people without a guard there and one person with, who do you believe? Yeah, and in those other three, they're stating that it's open, or, and in this one, suddenly an earthquake is what opens up. Or, for example, run. let's do this. You say uh, you have four witnesses to a, a bank robbery. One of them says, you know, I got there, and all the money was gone. And a guy was in there, and he told me the money was gone. And the second guy says, I got there, and there was a bunch of police around there, and then there's a massive earthquake, and the police all ran away, and then this dude from spaceship and descended down, down and said a bunch of stuff to me, and then, and the, money then the money was gone. Was gone. Come, Come on, people. This is, this is clearly, clearly a legendary situation. Adding detail. detail. We have evidence, we have evidence of people adding, adding details to this stuff. We don't have, we don't have evidence of flying down, flying down, down the sky. Earthquakes. Earth zombies, zombies are rising. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. The plausible, the plausible alternative, alternative explanation, explanation. A, is A Matthew, is Matthew made, made all that shit up. B, Jesus, Jesus was taken, was taken out, out. Are you still are there? You still there? <laughs> Did you guys Did you go? Guys go? Yeah, you're, you're like it. you're like dropping in and oh. out. Damn it! Damn it! Yeah, you you dropped in and out. Re repeat what you were saying there. What did you guys, guys last last year? Some swear words. <laughs> you were cursing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, did you hear about did you hear about the bank robbery verses that you're referring to the, the, the point did you hear about the bank robbery I can see your point that you're saying it sounds like when you read each of the accounts in the Gospels of when the women came to the tomb it sounds like uh, let me get this Whoa. straight okay hang on in, you know, in Matthew it sounds like when they got there, the angel came and moved the stone aside while they were there and they saw him do it. The yes. other ones sound like they came after it was over. Yeah, but it's more than that. Did you hear what I said about the bank robbery? Look, even if that were true, that still does not explain the, the facts that all of the New Testament scholars agree on. It explains every single one of them. Really, it explains that the disciples had experiences that they believed were actual appearances. Absolutely. Of Jesus. When the women come back, the disciples are distraught. Their Messiah has just been killed, disconfirming everything. They're now in a state of cognitive dissonance. What happens when you're in a state of cognitive dissonance? You try to come up with something that will rationalize and make you feel better and ease that state of cognitive dissonance. You're in a state of horrible emotion. My mother lost her, her mother, my grandmother, uh, to colon cancer. One night later, her mother appeared to her on the foot of the bed and comforted her. I'm okay. I'm not in pain. Now, what is the more likely is that what explanation? She told you? Absolutely. That is what she told. What is the more likely explanation? That she actually saw her mother who floated down from heaven, sat at the foot of her bed, even though she's a a uh, uh, ghost spirit and something said that, that I'm is, okay. Yeah, something that can't even interact with physical nature. Or she was so distraught that she saw this, um, th this, this uh, hallucination. Well, since she was the only one that saw it, we'll probably never know whether she really saw it or whether she made it up in her own. You don't head. have any evidence that anyone other than people. We have evidence for mass hallucinations anyway. Uh, there's a sighting in the early 1900s of the Virgin Mary uh, that was witnessed by four or five hundred people. I mean, come on. We have uh, mass hallucinations. We have evidence for all this stuff. 
Um, you don't have anyone else's word other than Paul that Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. And I find that, again, frankly ridiculous that if Paul said it, that uh, and it was in a tradition, that none of the gospel writers found it. Not Matthew, not Mark, not Luke, nor John. Uh, but why, would he, why would he make something like that up when he had been an enemy of Christianity up until he just He probably recently? saw the same thing. He's dehydrated on the road to Damascus. Uh, he's feeling guilty about persecuting these Christians who he, he knows are actually... Uh, nice people, decent people, yeah. and not too he's, bad that the lies about them they don't right. eat each other, the flesh, things like that that they're just misunderstanding. Right. So, so you're saying, saying, so you're saying out of guilt he hallucinated this? Yes, I am. Or okay, made it blatantly up. That? What proof do you what? have of that? Uh, because uh, when you look for extraordinary things like a, an actual uh, apparition actually appearing to you. You need extraordinary evidence. If you have a plausible alternative explanation in place, such as we know happens, people hallucinate, especially on... Or they just make things up. Or they just lie, themselves. make things up. But in this case, I think he hallucinated because it, in his own words, this was a converting experience to him. He was uh, persecuting these people before, he didn't afterwards. So he, that, he probably he thought he saw something. off of his horse. I but mean, right, the dude yeah. hits his head. Why would he be this SOB up to this point and then all of a sudden be filled with all this guilt and everything and turn 180 degrees in the opposite Have direction? Have you read his epistles? He's a decent human being for the most part. He's a misogynist bastard. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, he's a decent guy. But, he admits that in his pre-Christian days he killed people because they were Christians. He thought I don't they think were he ever, and he, he didn't have any problem with I don't think he ever admitted to killing people. Remember, he said that he kept the law to every uh, jot and tittle. He kept every bit of the law. He was righteous as according to the law before he converted. I don't think he ever admitted to killing people. If you've got, I'm not. I'm not saying that he himself killed people, but he said he turned people over to be executed. Right, and and, um, and had no remorse whatsoever about it. He uh, thought well, he was. How do you know he had no remorse? You don't know he had no remorse. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we have a plausible alternative explanation that answers every single one of your points. What what point does it not answer? Uh, well, it's just an incredible story that that all more these, incredible. All these people, a guy falling off the horse and hitting his head. Are you actually telling me that that's more incredible than a zombie rising from the dead? I mean, come on, guys! It's a naturalistic explanation. Any naturalistic explanation, no matter how uh, uh, unlikely, is more Bizarre. likely than a zombie floating down from heaven. And I don't think that's at all unlikely. It matches with Hebrew law as we know it. It accounts for everything. Uh, but how come nobody else thought of this before you? Uh, I didn't think about it. Richard no, Carrier no, no. There's, did. There's lots of people who think about it. We've this. had thousands of years to come up with this. And you're the first one to come up with it. Is that right? No, Richard Carrier. Oh. I got it from Richard Carrier, PhD. Uh, it's, the, it's the hallucination theory. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the hallucination theory, sure. Yeah, but he's given a little different twist to it with the Jewish burial bit. Yeah, that's from Richard Carrier. Um, so you have an explanation. If this is true, Christianity started from a um, just a big misunderstanding. If it's true, yes, I agree. But I don't think it was a misunderstanding. <laughs> well, you know what? We're, we're going way over on time, so I want to hit one yes. of my last topics. What do you oh, want to hit? please. Another what do you want to hit? We got just we got ten one. minutes. Ten we minutes. Have, All right. We have four more topics to to cover. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, that's all right. We're awesome. the same here, but I just want to I want to get some sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just want to understand how you guys defend this scripture. Have you guys read Deuteronomy? Sure. All right, so do you okay, agree with go. what's written in Deuteronomy? Please. Go for it, Leighton. I, right. I I want to let you know I am going to get back to you on the genealogies and the the women uh, where the guards were. I'll get back to you All on right. that. Go for All it. All right. Well, well, right now right. we're dealing with Deuteronomy. So have right. you guys read it? And do you agree right. with one hour and fifty two? I have reluctantly <laughs> slogged through Deuteronomy sometime in the past. <laughs> Layton, okay. please read it to us. That's not the world's most... If a man most... is caught in the act of raping a young woman who is not engaged, he must pay 50 pieces of silver to her father. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her, and he will never be allowed to divorce her. Do you guys see Sounds any fair problem? to me. <laughs> there Do you what? Go. Sounds fair to me. 
Kirk agrees yeah. with that. So you agree with this entirely, that, that this should be a law? Uh, I didn't necessarily say that, but I think that's kind of a just uh, solution to the problem. The would... solution is to have a woman be raped and then force her to marry her rapist no, 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 and no, no, no. be raped for the rest Not of her life. Not raped, but for her, the guy to marry her afterwards. Why would you sentence a woman to the rest of her life reliving the, the uh, horrible crime? I mean, remember, there's no divorce here. There's no divorce. He cannot put her away. He must pay the father 50 pieces of silver if he's caught, marry her, and he cannot put her away. So well, we are okay. talking, how is this a just law? According to who? Deuteronomy 22, 28-29. According... So you're saying you don't, you don't think this is a just law, therefore they shouldn't have written this. I'm right. saying that right. you God's guys immoral. are looking to your book for morality, and you can find things like this rampant throughout the entire book. Right. God kills tons and tons of people for ridiculous things. Um... I think, do uh, you remember the, the Caduceus, the whole symbol of, of medicine? Uh, do you guys know the story where that comes from? I'm talking I about that. I don't remember all the details. It's where the Israelites complain that they don't have any food and water. <laughs> and so God gets pissed off at them and he sends fiery serpents to bite them. And <laughs> so Moses prays and he says, "Let's, I got to stop this. And so God commands them to make a staff with a, like a winged serpent on there. And if they look on that... Uh, they won't die from getting bit by the fiery serpents. That's okay, I remember that story. <laughs> That's in there, all right. Trust me, my father. I don't think it's Rick quite written in that way, but I the, uh, remember the story. So, the moral of that story is: few, uh, details there. Don't complain to God that you're hungry or thirsty. <laughs> Again, I think they complained that in, in a prior episode where they, right. See, you know, we yeah, we have some himself reliable that he will take care of them. Then it would a gross sin. We have some cucumbers, we missed the watermelon in Egypt, we missed the meat, all we got is manna. And yep. so God says, oh yeah, I'll give you meat, and he, I'll give you so much meat that you guys will vomit. And so right. he drops a whole bunch of quail on them, and yep. he, even when they're chewing up the, the quail, he sends a plague and kills a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, this seems this like, the type like of another God good sitcom we got around. going here. Oh my God! This is the guy that you worship. I just I love it. I I think it's fantastic. It shows it shows how holy he is, and how unrighteous we are. That even the slightest sin is worthy of death. Oh, he's right. such a bastard. Such a bastard. So when, when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen, what did he curse the people with? <laughs> so he, he the provided... The Ark of the Covenant is stolen. The people who have it, what are they cursed with? Yeah, he gave them hemorrhoids. He gave them hemorrhoids. He's kind what, of a... What did the people do to appease God and to get these hemorrhoids cases to go away? Look, um, God was teaching... No, 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 no! I just that's all right. I want to, I, I want to hear because we only got five minutes left. I want to hear these guys' response to the the hemorrhoids and the the Israelites and and all this stuff. All right. So to appease God and to make the hemorrhoids stop, they made golden hemorrhoids, put them inside the ark, and sent no, the ark that. with a donkey towards oh, the people. Are. Wait, all right. Are you on? You're you're flickering in and out again. I think God is uh, cutting you off here. Probably so. All right, you guys have a response to this. Yeah, you know, um, I think what God is doing is teaching the Israelites and, by extension, the world, that God is so holy and so pure that even the slightest sin against that is a terrible crime. So all of us who deserve that. Was suffering we all from the deserve sin of... to be punished, and yet God offers a way out. He came down um, and took the punishment for us through Jesus Christ. So there is no hope of being truly righteous through the law. So Even, you this is the one of the big differences that and is forced to marry her rapist actually deserves that. Because she sinned? No, I'm saying that God was teaching 
the world that you can never be holy, you can never be truly righteous through the law. So it takes. So God a gives this law, puts it in Deuteronomy, and it's there to teach us that no, we can't. No, he's not. He's not it's not. Yes, it's it's to teach us that we will never be that we will never be able to be righteous through the law. So now, which laws are we supposed to follow, and which laws are we supposed to ignore? We're supposed to ignore it's the laws that were specifically written for that time and that circumstance. And this is follow the law what, of Christ. What he's we're talking about, Leighton, is is what Paul's talking about, which right. you cannot you cannot make yourself righteous or justified um, before the Lord by fulfilling the law. It's a mistake to even think that. So what you have to do is believe in Jesus, and you'll be saved. Well, Jesus believed in slaves and was quite vocal about it. Right. Yeah. Well, Jesus is God, right? Um, and aren't yeah, you? So a, aren't you? God a, agrees to slavery. Aren't you a slave to God? That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a whole nice sort of situation. So, I mean, this is one of the problems I have with Christianity too. Is that Paul, for example, um, with this line of reasoning, um, unlike the pagans who really didn't care whether you believed in their religion or not, it, belief was kind of accepted, and they didn't really get in your face about belief, uh, except I think unless it was political. Like the Roman emperors got really pissed off because they 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 might uh, uh, the Christians might cause the wrath of the gods to come down on them, so they call the Christians atheists and they, they cast them out of the city. Um, right. What what Christianity and Paul, um, by extension, are asking you to do is to believe in something essentially without evidence. You just have no. to believe. No, in fact, in fact, Paul um, specifically mentions that um, you do need to believe in. The resurrection, and that it's based on the actual physical resurrection. It, he said, "You know, I'm sure you've read this yourself, so you know that's not true. You know that he says that um, without the resurrection, there's no Christianity. You might well, that, right, then there's right. no justification for your sins. You're still dead in your sins. Right. Your faith is in vain. Right? All of right. our belief is in vain okay. without the without the resurrection. Okay. Um, but remember that Jesus said to doubting Thomas." Blessed are you, you know, you have seen and you've believed, but blessed are they who have not seen and still believe. Talking about the future generations like us, that's right. We did not see Jesus. We didn't have the ability to put our fingers in the holes in his hands, and yet we believe. Right. So we you, believe on the historical evidence. You have no historical evidence. That whole The whole debate has been about lack of historical evidence. You've and got... You've and got we've been presenting the historical evidence to you. You've got a forty-year gap. You've already pointed out that your historical evidence comes from people who are biased, and even when proving wrong, right? Still I mean, cling to their belief system. I like John in twenty thirty-one, where he admits flat out, unlike the other evangelicals, why he's writing it. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. This is propaganda. These aren't disinterested biographies like you guys would have them. This stuff is written for propagandistic purposes in order to get you to believe. These are not disinterested observers here. Well, uh, my question is, is if, if these true. old laws are, are, are solved for, we propaganda. don't have to follow the old laws, right? Is that correct? We don't have to follow the laws of Deuteronomy where if I rape a woman and get caught, I have to marry her. Is that correct? Right, you don't there have to are, follow There are certain categories of laws in the Old Testament that are religious... Uh, laws but who determines laws. those categories that you are supposed to follow, and who determines which ones you're supposed to ignore? The Bible itself tells us the difference between them. So which which uh, which ten yeah, commandments should you? Not follow? entirely. In Matthew, he says that not one jot or tittle will be removed until all is fulfilled. So by Matthew, you, you should uh, obey all of the laws, but not not true for Paul. It's interesting if you lock Matthew and Paul into a room and had them slug it out. I wonder if they could ever reach a compromise on this stuff. Um, anyway, we've hit the two hour mark. Um, we'll have yeah, to edit out. Long we'll have to edit out a bunch of that stuff because of the continual droppings. But um, hopefully, we got enough for a couple episodes. Yeah, um, we've got at least enough for two. Do you guys have any parting comments you would like to say? Um, no, I, I had um, I had some stuff on on um, the explanatory scope of and power of Christianity, but I, I think it can rest 
Um, you know, I mean, uh, we know that you're hardcore atheists, and and I <laughs> and you've definitely done your homework on stuff. We can definitely give you that. <laughs> well, I have. I don't know about Layton. Uh, no, Wikipedia is my only source. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I would wouldn't be anywhere without it. All right, fantastic. So, well, the best reason to believe in atheism is because it's true. Exactly. I'll, I'll close with that. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming on and continue following the evidence. That's all I've got to say. Now, well, we will, and I hope that you will too. It's all right. been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Take Bye. care. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh my god. <laughs> Once I tried to run, I tried to run and hide But Jesus came and found me and he touched me down inside 